Eight plus years into our relationship, we had vowed to stay married, but our starry-eyed courtship quickly got sucked into a dark hole of confusion and chaos, especially when the kids were with us, and resentment and anxiety grew when they weren't. We learned the hard way that our happiness as a couple was distinct from our happiness as a blended family. We weren't crazy, but many days we felt completely out of our minds. We needed clarity and hope. We didn't need to keep talking about our problems in therapy or chat with a counselor, and we certainly didn't need another lawyer. We needed to stop the pain. But how? Marriage retreats and conferences focused on traditional marriages and strategies, and while it seems like those tools and tactics would work, they simply didn't transfer over into our blended scenarios. What we needed were tools to equip us to deal with the complexities that we were experiencing. So many things were new. So much was unknown. How do you deal with a difficult, high-conflict ex-spouse? How do you deal with differing values in each home? How do you handle when you live in one state and your ex lives in another and you're fighting a custody battle? Look, we know that it's important to protect our marriages and help our kids blend without heavy expectations and a whole lot of conflict. We need guidance on how to handle discipline and acknowledge the confusion that's in our new roles without experiencing a whole bunch of shame. We don't need any more toxic situations, and we certainly don't need any more toxic people. The last thing that we need is people telling us that we knew what we were getting in for. Hey, we didn't know. And if you're in that same situation where you're wondering what you got yourself into, you're in the right place. Welcome to Step Family Mission Possible. Step Family life is hard, especially when it feels like the one you married is your opponent instead of your teammate. Hey, we're Bill and Jen Rogers, and we know how to get you on the same team. Instead of feeling defensive, emotionally exhausted, and anxious, it's time to play offense together. And hey, if you're looking for some help in how to blend beautifully together, send us an email at hello at stepfamilypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Have you ever heard one of your friends say, oh, I'd love my husband so much, I'd marry him all over again? (laughs) I've heard friends say that actually, and I think that's amazingly beautiful. In today's episode, we have a slight twist to that exhortation of I'd marry him all over again. Meet Rick and Tess Scott. Tess and Rick have been married for 20 years, and they have eight children. And that's amazing, isn't it? Uh, But that's not the amazing part. You see, Tess and Rick went through and stepped on every landmine that you and I look to avoid in our stepfamily lives, and it led them to divorce. They were divorced for over three years before they came together again, decided to give it another go. Tess and Rick are a story of forgiveness, perseverance, and trusting in God, even in the midst of the most trying of circumstances. Listen, if you're on the brink of divorce, this is a story of the power of effective communication, hope, and prayer. God is a God of restoration. While Rick fights crime with the Ontario Police Department, Tess can be found writing her latest book, soon to release Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. 
is a story about her adventures in parenting. And since Rick and Tess have eight kiddos, they have lots of adventures to choose from that help us understand where God is in some of those more painful, awkward moments. Tess and I have become fast friends since about 20 episodes. We recorded a podcast where she was talking about her freak show life. Since then, the book that she was working on has actually come to fruition. And I'm waiting for it to come in my mailbox. I can't wait. Rick and Tess, welcome to Step Family Mission Possible. Thanks, Jen. This is exciting. Thank you. I was listening to the podcast earlier, Tess, that you did with Jen, and you have had quite the interesting journey. I'd love to hear your perspective on that, Rick. How was it for you when you first began to think about blending the home? And then what were the challenges as you went along? I think the biggest challenge for me was dealing with the guilt, I suppose, would be the biggest factor in all of it, because I was the one that ended my first marriage. There was that guilt. Then when you're blending a new family together, you're trying to have a balance of spending time with your, with my two guys, because they were still pretty young at the time, six and nine, and then dealing with the guilt of that. Plus the, plus I felt guilty that I was spending all like my time hurt. No, they're all our kids, but back then it was her kids or her kids and my kids. I felt like you felt bad. You feel bad, right? That you're spending all the time with these other kids. My one son, my oldest son, he, one of his fears was this what was going to happen, that, that I was just going to join this new family. He was going to see me, which wasn't the case, but you know, that's always in the back of your mind. I would imagine at times for him, it actually felt that way, that he did lose a piece of you. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I know it did. And even still now, even though it's been all these years, it's still, if you think about it, it did wax in the back of the head. Oh, we have a great relationship now and, and uh, he's got a great family because I, I came from the same situation where I didn't know my father till I was mid forties. I met him a few times and, but he was never in my life as a child. So my goal when I first had a family was to avoid that, you know, but it didn't happen. And I, I pray that, that all our kids, when they finally settle down, that they stay settled down. So your story is unique because you two got married, not once, but twice. Uh, you want to share a little bit about that with us? Sure. He's, he's, he's probably thinking about why he did that right now. <laughs> well, I can, it's funny because sometimes I'm, I don't, um, I'm not the best husband. So I always think about this is what you pray for. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. It is. It's a unique situation. It is what I prayed for. I knew I wanted to get back together and he didn't want to. So then we got actually divorced and, but I didn't quit praying about it. I knew God could do it, but he doesn't always, right? It's not always best. So I know God, God has the power to do it. He can do anything. He can raise the dead, but he doesn't always raise the dead. He could uh, fix our marriage if he wanted to. So that's what I was hoping for. And then, yeah, he asked me out for dinner and it was pretty good dinner. That was a good start. It's not my favorite restaurant. And then, uh, yeah, and he just asked to be be in my life, like just be part of life. There was a lot of things that kind of led up to that as well. For example, I saw a former sister-in-law of mine from my first marriage. I saw her and her daughter at a store and what a great, great conversation. And like everybody was, everybody from my first family, like my first in-law family, always very kind to me, you know, there's always that awkwardness. And so I left that store and I thought, man, I'm just tired of of, of seeing people everywhere I go, 
I, there's somebody else that I've heard. And I thought, how do we end this? And then I saw a program on a show here in Canada and it was people who, it was like this, where it was a conversation of people who the couples were all blended, but they all got along with their exes. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I tried to build a good relationship back with Tess as a result of that. There was that, there was seeing my sister-in-law in the store and then my phone broke and I knew two phone numbers. One was work and the other one was Tess. I dropped my phone in a puddle and my phone didn't work. So who could I call? I needed to get my son's phone number. I knew she had my son's phone number. And so I called her and then I got the things going. Yeah. Here we are. Oh, the things that Providence does, huh? You don't have to tell God how to do it. He has his own way of manipulating or whatever, making it happen. I do like to offer him advice from time to time. What I'm curious about is what was going on with the kids at this time? They had already gone through one divorce and given the number of children that you have in the different ages, I know that they would have all experienced that differently. When the second divorce happened, what was going on with your kiddos? They were mostly out of the house. He knows young, 10. Tristan was 15, but he's special needs. So he was, I don't think he was living with us. Yeah. I think he was living with his dad and. Mine, mine were out. Was in college. Yeah. They were only really, we only had Hayden at home at that time. Mm -hmm. But what my where I failed was not realizing how it impacted my stepkids because they had that, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I looked at it. Most of my, most of our first marriage was the, they have a dad and they really didn't realize the impact that I, I had on them. Yeah, I would see them around town. A few times I saw the odd, the odd one and they were fine or it was fine, but I didn't understand the effect that it had on them. I didn't consider it. What would you say is your understanding looking back of the effect that it had on them. Each one was different, I would say. One was certainly affected most, more profoundly than I could ever have imagined. And I wasn't even aware of it until we started getting back together. You know, one of them had kids. When you have kids, like you're, that's your world. But we all have great relationship now. We worked it through. I, mean, I was forgiven and, and we don't talk about it anymore because it, it's over. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, but it was tough. And, and also, Rick went to each one of the kids separately and asked for forgiveness and went through it with them, which goes a long way. When the son that he was talking about, when he, when Rick wasn't here and Curtis saw him, I think he was at a golf course list. A movie. Oh, at a movie. And Curtis came home or came over. He didn't live here and said, I just saw Rick at the movie and he just... He's just friendly, like nothing ever happened. And that bummed him out because he was so, he was hurting so much because he lost a person. But Rick didn't see it that way at the time. But God's healed all that. That's all gone. I'm so thankful. And the kids, like Rick said, the kids are all doing good. But Rick did the hard work for that. That didn't just happen. It wasn't like he pranced in here and then we just got married and everything was like, Kidori wasn't. It was a lot of work for him to do that, but the kids were very gracious and and uh, forgiving. And also, I think it's so, a good example for them with their families and and with relationships to seek forgiveness and to have humility. Because Rick is a very humble person. He models that for his kids and mine, our our kids, which is such a, a gift. Really, it is a gift. What was the time period of this? Give us an idea. Uh, how long? was the time from when you divorced or even first started talking about that and then reconciled three years. That's significant. That's a long period of time. And the kids uh, obviously develop quite a bit in those three years. Rick, after that period of time, and now you're back together, 
How did you move on? Was it a new relationship with each one of the kids? It's interesting because um, for not even just with the kids, but with other people and like nieces and nephews, I didn't see them for those time, that long time. And it was almost like having been in a time machine because people grew and they changed, like, to- like they totally became different people. And even, well, even tested too. One, one of our guys, he was such a goofball as a kid and he's grown into this amazing man. But when we first split, he was still that goofball kid. When I came back, he was like this totally grown up, you know, he, he was this amazing guy. It was, it was just neat to see how everybody had changed. And even too, she would say the same for me, I think, but, um, totally different person. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. When you returned the issues that actually led to the divorce, how did, do you feel like you resolved those completely before you remarried? Or was that something that was a continuous process even afterward? It was something that we resolved prior to getting married again, but it was something that we had to continue working on. But I think we're past it all now. Honestly, sometimes because I moved into the house that she purchased while we were separated and after we got married, moved into this house. And sometimes I don't even remember not, I don't think about it. Like it's until we talk about it like this, I don't really yeah. think about those times um, at all. Yeah. He asked me out to dinner on May the 4th and we got married on September the 9th. So there was some months in between there because we already knew each other. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like meeting someone on a blind date. We knew each other so we could fast track a little bit. But also we agreed that we could talk about everything. Nothing was off limits. Nothing, every, there would be, everything was answered. Don't feel bad about asking it. You could ask about things that happened five years ago. Hey, that night that you said this, is that really what happened? Like those kinds of things. Or you could ask about how you felt. You could, there was, nothing was off limits. Never, ever have you ever said ever that's off limits, right? Like we agreed that you can talk about anything and we had nothing to lose. Really. It was a fresh start. We did that for months. We talked a lot more than we did the whole time that we were together for sure for those 15 years or whatever it was we worked through a lot of things that way and we also went counseling if there are people in your previous situation where they're in their second marriage and they're considering divorce or they feel like they're on the brink of divorce what would you recommend to them i think the biggest thing i learned when i was on my own was that you have to be able to speak your mind for example, if I had been able to, and this is on me, and this is not on, on her, if I had been able to say to Tess, you know what, I just want to be with my kids today or tonight, she has to be able to understand that's important to me. And to, if it's a problem, then of course she's, she's got to be able to speak her mind. But oftentimes I found that you can't really say whatever is bothering you because the other person will, will subconsciously react, right? They'll get upset or they'll start slamming cupboards or whatever the thing is. And then that the next time there's a problem, they're not going to talk because then it just gets put under the rug. So if you're going to react to me saying, I don't like it when, for a small thing, then when there's something big, I'm not going to talk. And that's what I, I learned mostly is just being able to say what was bothering me. I would say to people that are considering divorce or, or separation is, you might as well get it. You might as well get it off your chest now. Whether you have to lose, if you're already on that brain, then you might as well just speak your mind. I'm not talking about being rude or uh, hurtful. You got to say what's important. The saying is true that it takes two to tango. You can say those things, but the other person does have to be willing 
to come to that conversation and be able to listen and share as well. Humility is required to be able to move forward. And I'm thinking about what you said, Rick, about slamming cupboards. That only happens in Canada. That doesn't happen in the United States, just for the record. Alarms don't go off when you do it either, do they? (laughs) No. No, they don't. I think that uh, that person that I was then, because of lots of different issues. I wasn't secure. So I was insecure. I thought that maybe he's going to leave. Our marriage is going to end. I just, I I was insecure, basically. That's probably the thing. So to say, what do you mean you want to spend the day with just your kids? Why can't I come too? I love those kids. And I wanted everything to be a family together. Like we had all the boys one weekend and then no boys the next weekend so that we could have us time because that was important. But I didn't realize, I didn't see it, that he needed that. And he didn't feel safe to say that to me. We've learned from those things. But it'd be nice if people could learn without having to go through the whole divorce. It's good why this is a good reason for you to do this, Jen. Definitely, definitely. And and that is the thing that when you are in that story, I'd love affair, you're not thinking that anything's going to go wrong. You think that love is going to conquer all. And love can conquer all, but there's a whole lot of additional work that's required outside of saying, I love you. What you learn when you blend of is that if you knew some things up front, you definitely would make some different decisions. I want to rest on this one here that you're talking about. What I hear you saying is that it's really important for the biological parents to spend time alone with their biological children. That's important, but I I want to go deeper. Why is that important? What's going on with the kids? Can we talk about that? From your kids' perspective, you've got eight of them to choose from. So (laughs) what did they need? Why was that so important for them? They don't even really know what they needed. I think just for me, maybe it was just to, to rid myself of the guilt. And they did say too, they did speak up and say, I just want to be with my dad. And it, it makes it more difficult when all of the kids don't live together. It was a little easier as they got older because my guys would come. They came and spend more time at our house. Yeah. When they were young, they were only at our house every second weekend and every Wednesday. But as they got older, then they had more say. So they came one week at our house, a week at their mom's, that kind of thing. We did live close. So that was a benefit. And and they wanted to spend time with their dad. They wanted to know that that was a secure relationship, that you weren't going to jump ship. And now you're on my family, not in theirs. Yeah. Right? So you need to reassure them of that and to be at all those parent things. So that's difficult too. At the grade eight graduation, for instance, the high school graduate or public school graduation, there's two chairs for that child. So Corey graduates, two people can come. Obviously his mom's going to come and his dad, which is not cool with the new mom here. Things like that. Those things are going to pop up, even though that's the way the world is. It's not cool. I don't like it. I didn't like it at all, which made it hard for Rick because he wants to be there. That's, and he did go and that that's his kid's graduation. But, and maybe some of it is maturity. And maybe some of it is security, just learning those things. But you were always there for the kids. Like you always, you were, you took them and you spent time with them and you were good at that. I enjoyed like the wintertime, especially because they were both playing hockey. So that was, their mom didn't much care to go to, or at least take the practice and whatnot. So I took advantage of that and made sure I was able to to get them to their games and practice, Mm -hmm. which I loved, you know, and I helped coach for a couple of seasons and. So that, that worked out good. Rick, when you're in that situation as a dad, as a bio dad, and your wife wants to spend the time with your children as well as you do, but there doesn't seem to be room for her. Did you feel that put you in the middle? Yeah, again, yeah. And I didn't want there to be resentment because from 
uh, my perspective is I thought if Tess doesn't accept this, then they're going to resent her. And I didn't want that to happen because I remember being a kid and, and you could really you could read your kids and you can read them because you know how they're behaving. You're not, I'm not talking behavior, just the way they're acting when I was alone with them versus when we were all together, they would be anxious to do something else or just want to do something. Uh, just the three of us. Was there ever a time that you guys got together? We call them white chair conversations to have a family meeting kind of thing. Yes. Family meeting. We thought was a really great idea. And then it went south. Even though, what did I do? I did some Sundays or some kind of yogurt fruit kind of thing. And the kids were really excited about the food, but they certainly weren't excited about the white chair conversations because usually something went wrong. Something would go wrong. I'm having many flashback moments to those conversations. So they were a really great idea, but the execution perhaps wasn't the best. And I think it has something to do with it feeling like a setup in the sense that when we sit here, something goes wrong. Instead of when we sit here, we're in it together as a family to talk about those things that we're struggling with. Did you guys ever set the table, so to speak, that everybody could come together and share some of the struggles that they were having blending? No. Short answer. No. There'd be no tie. No. There'd be no talking. Okay. <laughs> what about now? What would you do it now? Oh, if I could redo it, yeah. But I don't know if they would talk. Like they were, they mostly uh, they hung around a lot, and we did a lot of um, game playing, like big board games, all of that. And there'd be conversations, but not so much like the sitting talk about your feelings stuff. They mostly worked that out by tying their brother to a tree and stuff. They worked it out without which conversations. Not Sundays, but rope. Rope was involved. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And that's how men handle stuff, right? I became a police officer when Aiden was two. And I was learning how to do that job in the middle of all of this. And it's a tough job. Like, I, I feel for the guys now that are, that I work with that have young kids. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a tough job when you've got stuff going on at home. And so especially tough job to learn when you've got so much going on at home. So there was that in the background too, getting used to shift work, getting used to, she had to keep them all quiet while I was sleeping during the day. So that there was that sort of factor in there too. Dealing with things like you had to deal with things at work that would have happened that were traumatic, like with children. And then you come home when you have children. So there's that whole thing too, that an other kind of person doesn't have that's not a police officer. What are you called? Civilian. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the other people. I think that goes to, that makes me think about the stats. So the stats and, and they shift depending on what your source is, but we all know that the divorce rate in and of itself for first marriages is high and it's anywhere from 40 to 50%, depending on what stat you quote. And then second marriages are of course, significantly higher. And that can be anywhere from 50 to 70%. But we know that the chances of redivorce are higher, the number of marriages that you go. And I'm wondering to try to help give people some perspective of that, that when you're dealing with all of these blending issues, and then you're dealing with something else like a new job or new requirements in your job or what's going on in the world today, just the spiritual warfare in the world that's creating additional darkness that is definitely impacting how we function in the normal day-to-day, -day, that it can get really heavy really fast when we're attempting to manage all of those strong 
powerful events that are occurring in our lives. What I'm wondering is if you had two top pieces of advice, Rick, if you would give one, maybe your top one, and Tess, if you would give your top one for blended families, regardless of wherever they are right now, what advice would you share with blended couples? I would say that if you're having a difficult time with communication, if you have a, for whatever reason, you're not able to communicate, you need to, and it's very painful to grow a spine, but you have to grow a spine and speak your mind. That is the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, to survive anything is to be able to talk it through. And it can hurt. No, I'm not talking hurt feelings. I'm talking it's painful to be able to honestly speak your mind and wait for the response. Sometimes it, it's painful for the other person too, but if, if you don't do it, it just, nothing changes at all. You can have a, you can throw a little fit and, and go outside and stomp your feet. That isn't helping anybody. You have to honestly say what the issue is and be prepared with a solution as well. Don't just expect the other person to, to fix whatever the issue is. You have to have that solution in your mind. Because if you don't, if you don't talk, then you're done. That's a good piece of advice. I, I think also, Rick, that there is a time that a guy comes into a conversation like that and maybe he doesn't really know how to voice what he feels. And sometimes having that conversation can bring that out. I know that there are times that Jennifer and I will talk and I know I'm frustrated but I can't quite put a finger on it. And as we talk it through, it comes up. And I know that can be difficult for some guys. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to agree with you that it is difficult. And you, you want to make sure it doesn't get to a point where you're saying it like in anger or frustration, right? Everybody knows what the issues are. They do. They, they know what the problem is. And they just have to be strong enough to, to speak their mind. And to have that solution too, like I said, you got to come into it with a, with a solution because it's not fair for the other person to figure it out because they may not even realize that that's the issue. You know, most people don't know what their issues are until they're, they're kind of blown out. So what's an example of something that you wouldn't have wanted to talk about that you wish you would have been able to talk about? Well, I suppose the issue with the kids when they were younger, if I had just said it, it's really important to me and it's really important to the kids and it's really important for the relationship of everybody that... I spend time with just them, but I, I didn't know how. I was still growing a spine. And, uh, because of your past too, right? You yeah, brought that with me. Yeah, brought that with me. And I'm really thankful that in our marriage now that we uh, pray together, that's a huge part of our relationship. And because you, I think that you really learn what the other, where the other person's heart is without the person having to say, necessarily sit down and say, these are the things I'm struggling with, because that's what you're bringing to God. And, and it's really brought us closer. And just knowing there is no way that anything is going to happen to our marriage. Because I don't want to be married five times. Like enough is enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm interested in what the statistics are for people who get remarried after divorce. Do you know that one, Jen? Yeah, you mean when you remarry the same person? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I have no idea. But I... Be a trendsetter, guys. You guys set the trend. That's right. Be like that. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I do want to address what you just said, Tess, because it's so powerful. And, and I would so resonate with that, praying together. One of the things that I think about sometimes about praying together is that if we're having a fight about anything, we're going to pray together. And God's going to set us right. Because if we're having a fight, either... I'm being selfish 
she's being selfish or both of us are being selfish. And God's going to, he's going to shine the light on it. And we're going to know when we're praying together, oh boy, God's telling me I better get right here before I, before I come to the prayer table. And I think that's something that is uh, underappreciated, but yet so important is that I don't run the show. God does. When you tell me that God's going to set it right, I'm not so sure that I always receive that very well. Yeah, prayer, prayer is, is humility, right? You have to be humble to come before God. The time of humility. It is. And a big part of what your story is that humility and that forgiveness and that willingness to have conversations about things that are different. Rick, as I was thinking about what your recommendation was as far as having this confidence to address things and come with a solution, there's a little bit of resistance coming up. Let's go back to that piece. We have a chocolate lab and she's seven years old now and her brother Rex, big golden retriever, and the two of them, they respond to things in different ways. When the neighbor has the audacity to open their garage door, for example, the barking will commence. No doubt about it, because there was no pre-approval that this was the time the garage door was going to open. When the garbage truck comes, the hackles go up. And as I think about that, as I think about what you said, Rick, with come with a solution, I'm like my chocolate lab right now that I want to bark at you and say, no, wait a minute. I don't want you fixing my stuff. Because you guys, you always want to fix our stuff. So talk to me a little bit about that. Is your husband going to answer that question? No. Nope. I was talking to Rick. When, if you're with somebody, you're married to them, you, you know them well, you should know them well enough to know how to resolve that issue, whatever it is. They get help or whatever. I'm just trying to think of something that's minor that, that we've dealt with. Careful. Yeah. I don't know. I can think of a good example, but um, we've resolved a lot of things. Yeah. And then just, just having that that confidence to know that you can just speak your mind and not, and it is, it is the security thing too, to like, you have to be aware that if, yeah, you're supposed to be insecure, what you're going to say is going to be impactful, but better than the alternative. This is all, is all I'm trying to get through. Let's go back to this example. I want to flush this out just a little bit more. So going back to the example to say, Hey, I want to spend time with my biological kids. So Rick, if you came to me, if it's you and me and you said, I want to spend more time with my biological kids. And here's my solution on how to do that. I may feel left out of that decision. I may feel like you don't care what I think about the decision. And I may feel like you've already made the decision for us as a couple. What I was alluding to earlier to say that my hackles would go up in the sense of when women here bring a solution, we hear something maybe a little bit different than what you're saying, which is a great example of some of the communication miscues that we can have in our marriages. So if you were attempting to solve that, I'm going to spend my time with my kids this way without bringing me into that conversation, that might create some challenges for you and me as a couple. Does that make sense? It does. Yep. I think I'm going from a mindset of just maybe work or two. They'll complain to me about an issue with, unless you have a way to solve it. I, but I, I, get, I get what you're saying. But you could talk like that's a very great issue right there. That's, that's <laughs> right thing. Oh my lands. Yeah. He's, he's a man. That's for sure. Well, what's men are not women. Men. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I would just, I, I would say this, I say bravo in this sense, you keep at it. You keep having the conversations and sometimes you step all over your own toes. It happens. But one of the things we like to talk about is 
hey, I'm your fan. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. So if we're disagreeing about something, we can fix it. But we've got to come from the perspective of we're on the same team. You know, that that ties into our Step Family Legacy Roadmap. And the L stands for learn to love what your partner brings to the table. Rick, that's what I'm hearing you say. And Tess said, when you're working together, regardless of what the issue is, I'm hearing mutual respect that there's trust that the other person has your back and wants the best for you and for your family, even if you don't necessarily agree on what the solution is, that you're willing to come together and have a conversation about that and really do lean into that learning to love what your partner brings to the table. Yeah, I love that. I've got to say, I I really love your story. It's been funny. God has had this on my brain today. Tell your story. And I love that you guys have told your story because your story is unique. And to quote a guy that spoke to me when I was down, he said, you got a testimony. You got to share it. I love that you're sharing your testimony here. So we'd like to hear more, Tess, about your book and how people can uh, get a hold of that. So my book is called Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. And um, it's available for pre-order everywhere. Amazon, Kohl's, Indigo, uh, Barnes & Noble, all those places, Walmart, Target. Crazy. It seems very surreal. It'll be launching on June 14th. That's very exciting. And I'm starting on a second book now, Jen, you're going to love this because of our conversation um, on the last podcast. This new book is going to be called something like this. Girlfriend, put your money where your mouth is. That's what it's going to be called because right after you and I had the whole podcast and conversation about forgiveness and exes and all those things, Rick's ex-wife is coming to our church and sitting with us every Sunday. So it's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah. And I know she will listen to this and that's fine because we're friends. God's just so fun. He's doing really fun things right now. Rick, you and I got to write a book. And the subtitle is without telling your wife how to do it. That's right. That's right. It is totally different. Men process things totally different than women. That's for sure. Definitely. Listen, we certainly appreciate you guys sharing your experiences and that you offer hope through the power of forgiveness. And that power of forgiveness comes because you believe in Jesus, because we take these things to the foot of the cross. And I know that in blended families, in all families, really, there are different spaces, if you will, where shame creeps in and the attack of Satan is through shame. Our message for our audience is that there is no shame when you are in Jesus. You do make mistakes and you do need to seek forgiveness. That's been modeled through scripture. I always say that I'm very thankful that David had some bad moments because It reminds us of how much we need Jesus. We can't do this blended thing without praying together and without really supporting one another and loving one another. I want to encourage families, if you are in a difficult spot right now, there is help for you. There are all kinds of options, whether it's therapy, whether it's coaching, whether it's counseling, there are all different things that you can do. The one thing that I encourage you is to avoid doing it alone. Because God designed us to be together in community. So if you're in a situation where you need some help, email us at hello at stepfamilypodcast.com and we can have a conversation with you about what options might work well for you. But the, the most important thing is that I hope you leave this episode with a sense of hope and all things Step Family are possible with God.
Amen. I would like to thank you, Rick and Tess. I want to acknowledge that last bit of your testimony and the forgiveness that is modeled there. I think there's a lot of people that would stand in awe of a situation thinking, man, I'll never be able to get along with my ex. And that's an incredible testimony of God's grace. I also want to say uh, to you, Tess, and really to both of you, because I know it's a labor of love for both of you, but congratulations on your success with writing. We really do look forward to reading your material and we look forward to seeing you again. I had one comment to add. Going back to the when my kids were young and I wanted to spend time with just them, I want people to understand that with time or I mean, even the, even back then too, but they are all our kids, like, right. You know, when one of, one of your first knew it's, these are my guys and these are your guys or whatever, but they're all my kids. And, and that is important to, to know that that develops still to not expect it right away. But it's not reasonable to think that it's the pretty bunch and everybody's just going to come in and share rooms and everything's great. But it takes time to, to build that family. This is a just for a regular family to to develop, it, it takes time for a, a blended family to develop. And that's my kid, whether or not he has my last name or not. But I wanted to ensure that. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for that. And that time period was that you did that over 20 years or so, correct? Yeah. That's a testimony to faithfulness. It really is. And again, congratulations for sticking it out and listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, that you're an inspiration to a lot of people. I hope so. I hope somebody can benefit from from my failures and Tessa's failures and the way we've been able to work through it. Yeah. I'm really thankful that it, that's what God does, right? He takes your mess, he takes your mess and makes it your message. He, like, he's so full of grace for us. And I'm just so in awe that God would use our story to help other people. And I'm so thankful for that. Congratulations again on how that is coming about through the power of the written word. And we know that your words have power because our Heavenly Father's words have power. So get your noses in the book, couples, pray together, love one another deeply, and it's, it's all going to be okay. It's going to be work, but it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. If you enjoyed today's show, would you tell somebody and share today's episode with them? Thanks so much. See you next time.